welcome to another episode of Pod for Good, a podcast where we learn from those doing good in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the world, why they care, what we can do, and most importantly, what you, the listeners, can do. Pod for Good is produced and edited by Random Productions and can be found anywhere you get your podcasts, but avoid Spotify, they're the worst. If you enjoy what we do here, please make sure to subscribe and share our episodes on whatever social media platform you like. I am your chief philanthropod, Jesse Orch. And I'm your vice admiral philanthropod, Chris Miller. And this episode, we are talking with Nancy Belsley, the executive director of The Pencil Box. We talked to Nancy about the importance of school supplies, even in the digital age, the impact of Pencil Box's new location, and the dignity a backpack can bring. We are very excited to have Nancy Belsley from the Pencil Box on the podcast today. Nancy, hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, listen, we are we are very excited to talk about this. I mean, we have we have many guests on this podcast who are talking about sort of the education inequities in the Tulsa slash Oklahoma region. So your organization really hits a a sweet spot of things we care about. But for our for our listeners, can you give us just a brief a description of what the pencil box does. The pencil box is a free store where teachers can come and select supplies specific to the needs of their students and classroom activities. We're serving public schools throughout Tulsa County, where 70% or more of the students are living at or below the federal poverty level, and we provide those supplies throughout the school year. I'm going to ask what to me seems like a dumb question, but I think has, unfortunately, a lot of people may already know the answer to this, but why is it that the schools don't already provide the supplies that teachers need for their classrooms? It really is not the school's responsibility to provide the supplies that the students need. It's the students who are coming to the classroom experience without the school supplies that are needed for a successful learning experience. So it's not the school's responsibility. It's certainly not the teacher's responsibility. And so to fill that gap, we're providing the school supplies. And so there are, I know there's like national organizations like Donors Choose that have, do, do similar type things. Can you give us a little history on when the sort of teachers having to spend their own funds to give students the things parents used to be able to afford? Like when did this first become a, an issue that national and local organizations started dealing with? I don't know when it began, but what's happened is that uh, teachers can't afford to provide supplies for each and every student. So the practice began of a common basket of pencils and a common basket of scissors and a common basket of crayons. And those supplies were used year after year. The students didn't develop a sense of pride in ownership. You know, I, I ask people frequently when they come to visit our facility, what's your favorite memory of going back to school, the beginning of the school year. They all say, going to the store and getting my new school supplies. And when I ask, what, what was your favorite school supply? Invariably, they tell me that new box of crayons. Oh, I remember the smell of that new box of crayons. Approximately 80% of our students in Tulsa County are coming to school at the beginning of the school year without supplies. Those children are not experiencing that new box of crayons. 
They're not developing that sense of pride and ownership. They're not learning to to take care of their materials, to respect their neighbor's materials, to um, anticipate and, and be prepared for class. Because when they walk in, those supplies are sitting there for them. And what's happening is that business leaders are telling us that student that employees or prospective employees are coming to job interviews without writing materials. Professors are telling us that students are coming to lecture classes without writing materials because they're so used to it being provided for them. Well, I mean, that's, you know, on the surface, you think of this as just, oh, kids don't have supplies. This gives them the supplies they need so that they can be prepared for school. I'd never thought about the the long-term implications of it, which sounds like it's an important part of this program for you. It really is, Chris. Our program is truly so much more than a pencil and a pad of paper. Our program is about empowering the students, equalizing the classroom, and giving students hope for a brighter future by providing those supplies they need for a successful learning experience today. And it it sounds like you're, what you're also trying to do is remove the sort of shame aspect that comes with certain kinds of philanthropy that happens in schools where kids or families are given a thing, but they're made they're made to feel like that they didn't deserve it, nor should they have it, but someone is giving it to them. And so it doesn't, it doesn't do the work it's supposed to be doing where, you know, like you and uh, past guests, like fostering connections that have their like store for foster families. So it makes it feel like a natural thing that people do. And that is, yeah, it's the, the, the human thing to do and the nice thing to do. Yeah. I can understand and appreciate that teachers uh, have limited resources but to ask a student to give a shoe in exchange for a pencil, that's humiliating. Dixon Ticonderoga did a study that revealed that the typical student goes through 48 pencils a year. The number one requested school supply today in this digital age is still the pencil. Last year, during the pandemic, we gave away 124,000 pencils. Wow. Mm-hmm. So when people ask with remote learning, well, the kids are on their Chromebooks. Why do they need school supplies? They calculate those answers using pencil and paper. Mm-hmm. We had a teacher tell us this was pre-pandemic, but she was telling us that she noticed one of her students had a very tattered backpack. And so after class, she told this young woman to come back at the end of the school day that she would have something for her. And when the student came to her class at the end of the day, the teacher gave her a backpack, a new backpack that was filled with supplies corresponding to her class schedule. There were supplies that she had gotten here at the pencil box. The teacher told us that throughout the semester, the, te- the student would come and show her her backpack. She loved her backpack. Then one day, the student came running up to her crying that her backpack had been stolen. The teacher told her it was fine. Come back to my classroom at the end of the day. I'll have another backpack for you. Don't, you know. Don't, don't worry about it. What the teacher found out was that this student was living, was frequently staying at the day center for the homeless. And at the end of the school year, the student came and showed her that she still had her backpack, showed her her report card, all A's and B's. And the teacher learned from another teacher that the student had slept with her backpack so that it wouldn't be stolen. When we took wow. our children into bed at night with their teddy bears, this ninth grader was 
sleeping with a backpack. It meant that much to yeah. him. Well, and it, I think it, it's an amazing story and it kind of highlights that how impactful sometimes the, sim- sometimes the simplest things that a lot of people take for granted can have long-term impact on, on a student. It really does. We can't expect students to learn and teachers to teach if they don't have the proper tools. And you, you mentioned school supplies, tools. I mean, obviously, that can have a pretty broad definition. So generally speaking, what kinds of school supplies do you offer and do you have available? We provide all the core school supplies, pencils, pens, paper, you know, filler paper, copy paper, scissors, paint set, crayons, colored pencils, everything you can think of. Student incentives are also an important part of our program because keeping students engaged in the learning experience is so very critical. And having that positive reinforcement is such an important part of the learning experience. And then about 65% of our inventory has been donated to us. So we have a lot of incidental supplies that are useful for the teachers. We have teachers who retire and they give us bulletin board materials or posters or teaching materials of all different kinds. And our facility really looks like an office depot specific (laughs) to school supplies. Everything that comes into our facility is inventory and receives our barcode. We use a point of sale inventory data system to manage and track our supplies. The teachers come, they check in with our volunteers and verify that they are teaching at a school that is partnering with us. They get their shopping cart and our our setting, our our facility really looks like a, a retail store. And at the end of their shopping experience, they check out and receive an emailed itemized receipt of everything they received that day and the retail value were they to go to the store and purchase those items. And then every month we send a report to the principals and then every semester we send an accumulative report to the principals and to the superintendent. So we're confident that the supplies are truly following the students into the classroom and serving the intended purpose. And I believe like you were in the news recently at the end of 2021 because you, you broke ground on a new facility, correct? Yes, we did. We're going to be located at 2435 Southwest Boulevard. We will be on Route 66. We're so excited and most grateful to have a permanent home facility that's designed to meet our needs, a place where we can set roots, grow our program, and fulfill our mission. Uh, Moving an operation like ours is a monumental task, as you can imagine, We had to move in September of 2019 because the builder owner had other plans for her building. Uh, We'll have to move by August of this year, regardless of the new facility, because the building we're currently in is for sale. Uh, Our new home will be three times the size of the space we're in today, which will allow us to better serve the students and teachers we're currently serving and expand our program to schools in Tulsa County where 60% of the students are living at or below the federal poverty level. You know, every child deserves a quality education regardless of where they were born. This facility will be a great tool in helping us ensure every student and every teacher in Tulsa has the supplies they need for school success. 
So it sounds like you went similar to a lot of restaurants, went to a delivery um, <laughs> model to, to make sure people still got what they needed. When the pandemic occurred and everything shut down, we reached out to the teachers, asked them what they needed. And at that point, we decided to donate books. We thought that this was something that would give the, the students comfort to own their mm. own books and just just be a good use of, of time, especially during the summer. So those books were distributed through the free meal program. So when the students came to the schools or to the food spots to get their food, they were also given books. We donated over 5,000 books at that point. Wow. And um, then for the back to school, we were poised and ready to do a curbside distribution when Tulsa Public Schools, which is the largest district we serve, decided to go completely remote. So we had to shift gears. And at that point, reached out and asked, what do you need? After the first week of content learning, the teachers told us that regardless of whether the students were in the classroom or working remotely, they really needed whiteboards. Well, at that point, we couldn't order 15,000 whiteboards <laughs> and have them yeah. come in in a timely manner. So we happened to have white card stock in our inventory. We had laminator, laminating sleeves, <laughs> and we had been given 10 laminators. And so. Oh, wow. Our staff and three of our core volunteers produced 15,000 whiteboards by laminating white cardstock. We distributed that That's awesome. in paper and pencils and various other. But since then, we keep hoping to reopen, but we keep having to postpone and continue to, to mm -hmm. deliver the supplies to the students and the teachers at their schools. That that's that's uh, that's really cool. It's really amazing, and I know Jesse, having worked in nonprofits, has seen this. But it it always amazes me how ingenious and adaptive nonprofits can be. Yep. Uh, when you have to solve a problem, and you have to do it with the resources you have, and there's there's no way around it, so you just have to find a solution. And and I think that is uh, really amazing. And uh, next time I need a whiteboard, I may actually steal that because I'm pretty sure I have a laminator. So. You do because we borrowed it at one point. Since you are the founder of the Pencil Box, I feel like it's the perfect time and uh, you're the perfect person to ask this question to, which is why? What happened when you started? Uh, what happened in your life that made you realize you needed to start something that became the Pencil Box? Well, I definitely didn't create this program because I felt Tulsa needed another nonprofit. As we know, Tulsans are very giving, and we have a, what is it, 500 nonprofits here in Tulsa, something we like that. We have a that. lot. <laughs> a lot, yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't that I felt like we needed a nonprofit, but we didn't have a concerted school supply effort. So let me preface, education is key in creating a joyful, healthy, productive life. That's paramount. And I learned about this concept of a free store because my son's mother-in-law in Cincinnati created the concept of a free store for teachers. It evolved out of her Leadership Cincinnati project back in 1995. Back then, participants were required to create a nonprofit, even if it were just on paper. Initially, Shannon Carter, who created this concept, 
thought about the fact that computers have a relatively short lifespan in the corporate world, and yet there's still a lot of good use, especially for students who are just learning. While she was creating a method by which to move the computers out of the office and into the classroom, she learned that Crayola was going to throw away a batch of crayons because the word purple had been misspelled. There was nothing wrong with the crayon, but Crayola couldn't sell a purple crayon. She captured those crayons. And that was kind of her aha that in manufacturing, there are slight flaws and imperfections, overruns. Teachers are resourceful. They can reuse and repurpose these supplies. She began to build out her resource center. Since then, we've come to realize that if a teacher needs a certain uh, teaching uh, tool, let's give that to them rather than them spending their time creating something out of nothing. Now I'm just trying to figure out, I wonder how they misspelled it. Was it like Pruppel? Was it yeah. It was, uh, was Pruppel. It was Pupel. They omitted the R. Uh, <laughs> the pupil. It was pu- Pupel pu- crayon. Pupil. 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 Like, listen, I'm, I'm glad it happened so that... The, then they could still be used. But like, who would have noticed that? I mean, like how long would it have taken for us to notice that? But I mean, obviously someone would have noticed it because people are like Jesse, that. Jesse, I'm pretty sure that both of our wives would have immediately noticed if they opened true. a box of crown, they were like, this is misspelled. Yeah, but they'd have to get the purple, the purple, the purple crayons from us first to see that they're misspelled. <laughs> I toured the facility in 2004 and I was just blown away by it. And I thought this is something Tulsa needs. So I came back. I had been part of the... I was on the committee for the junior league that created the child abuse network. And I went to the league and I asked them, but the league no longer incubates nonprofits. I went to Tulsa Metropolitan Ministries. Tulsa TMM no longer incubates nonprofits. I tried to find individuals who would take the idea and develop it. I was unable. Finally, in 2012, my husband and I decided that the time was right for me to create the program. So I began to pull together friends who fortunately had the various different experiences and expertise required to put together a program like this. And it truly began around my dining room table. I began putting the program together in August of 2012. We had our first distribution in October of 2015. And we have given approximately $5 million worth of school supplies to students throughout wow. Tulsa County since then. That's amazing. So this is a, just a question because I enjoyed these in school. Do you also have mechanical pencils? Oh, definitely. Okay, good. <laughs> definitely. Uh, what, the reason, a, what about the multicolored pens that depending oh, on which yeah. one you push, a different push, colored yeah. pen would come yeah. out? Yeah. I wish you were here. I could show you. We have puppet pens <laughs> and they're really cute. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they're really cute. Yeah. I named the program the Pencil Box. Funny, Jesse, that we you should ask about the mechanical pencils. Uh, I named the program the Pencil Box because when my oldest son was in elementary school, the pencil boxes became the big thing. Um, mm. You know, do really well on your geography test and we'll go over to the, back then it was Palace Office Supply, and you can pick out a pencil box. And then after that, it was do really well on your spelling test, and we can go get a mechanical pencil. You know, oh, so nice. You know, we were fortunate; we had those resources. We could provide those types of incentives. So, mm-hmm. when you think about where do you go to get your school supplies, you go to your pencil box. So, this is this is every student's pencil box. 
If you're like me, you might hear estate planning and go, ugh, gross. You might think to yourself, I'm not sure why I'd bother with that. Estate planning is only for the uber rich. Tallgrass begs to differ. Tallgrass founding attorneys Laurel and Riley think everyone should have an estate plan. They know estate planning seems untouchable to a lot of folks, like something you have to do inside a stuffy law firm of Stuffy McLawyer Pants Esquire. But I promise you, Tallgrass is nothing like that. For one, they work out of their home so their clients can feel at home. They obsess, because they're nerds, over making clients feel like they belong and are supposed to be there. Also, their kids might make an appearance. They will take time to answer all of your questions, even the uncomfortable ones. They will work relentlessly to make sure your plan is exactly what you need to feel secure and at peace. So if you've been putting off planning for what's going to happen after you've gone, it's time for you to give Tallgrass a call at 918-770-8940 and start your plan today. Or visit their website at tallgrassestateplanning.com and schedule a free initial consultation. For free! It's right there on the website. And of course, there's more, because this is a podcast ad. If you tell them you're a Pot for Good listener, they're going to take 25% off their service fees. Just tell them Pot for Good sent you. Stop thinking estate planning isn't for you and give Tallgrass a call today at 918-770-8940 or on their website, which I'm not going to read out to you again. It's in our show notes. Thank you, Tallgrass. It's weird. That's it's cool. Considering how personal Chris and I have gotten on this podcast, it's amazing this doesn't come up. But one of the things that bothered me the most in school was like having to sharpen my pencil all the time because I could. N- I just wanted consistency <laughs> with my pencil. <laughs> and the problem with mechanical pencils was there wasn't the standard mechanical pencil sizes were either too small or too big for what I wanted. And so my dad <laughs> did track down like a office supply place that had like 0.5 or something, some, <laughs> some odd size of mechanical pencil. <laughs> And uh, I was very appreciative for, you know, five minutes. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I just never, even to this day, I just sharpening a pencil. It just, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But you know, Jesse, that caused you to be more interested in school. That caused you to, to want to do your work as you were writing your biography of George Washington, you know, you had that mechanical pencil that you could use to write that. Right. What if you had no writing instrument in the house? None. A fourth grade teacher was telling me that at back to school, one of the mothers was complaining that her son, it was taking her son so long, it such a, a long amount of time to do his, his homework. And the teacher initially thought, well, you know, parents are always complaining about too much homework. But the next day, she asked her, this, this student who was a really bright little boy, fourth grade, why is it taking you so long to do your homework? And he said, well, I have to, we don't have any pens or pencils at home. And so I have to wait until my mom comes home from work. She brings a pen home from work, and then I, I do my homework. And I know that if I make a mistake, I'm going to have to cross it out. So I'm just really taking my time and being very careful. Wow. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's something, even as we've been talking about this, that I didn't really think about, the fact that it's not just about having supplies when you're in the classroom to use while you're at school, but having the supplies you need at home so that you can do your homework. Right. And I'm just imagining trying to trying to do math with a pen, even even if you have to wait all day to get that pen, trying to do math with a pen, not having the ability to erase 
and make corrections mm-hmm. and go all the way through having to be perfect as perfect as you can be all the way through because you don't have the ability to fix your own mistakes. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine that would add a lot of extra pressure on the student as well, just because they don't have the supplies they need. Exactly. What we're learning is that having the supplies is really reducing stress for the students and their families. Anytime there is a, a want when you're trying to do something that you are being asked to do as a child, like any stress you add on to that just mm-hmm. adds up to more and more stress about right. every different part of that. And math is hard enough. Like, <laughs> right. Well, just, just imagine, you know, even in elementary school, the, all the projects, you know, we'd have to do where you had to go get a poster board. You had to have scissors so that you could cut pictures out of magazines or draw things. And you had to have, glue sticks and colored pencils and markers and you just start adding up all the things i mean you know neither jesse or, or i grew up in in what would be considered wealthy households but we never had to worry about whether we had the supplies we needed if, if we needed poster board or whatever we either had it or we could run to the store and and get some you know and it it's just something that I think probably most people just take for granted. Don't think about the fact that there's a lot of students that are maybe not doing as well in school because they didn't, they couldn't turn in the project because they didn't have the supplies, not because they didn't want to do it. Right. Chris. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they don't have the supplies. They're not getting like a good night of sleep. All right. Cause of Mm -hmm. whatever reason, they don't have all of the security that functions, but security aspects that, we all assumed were default things that everyone had. And the more you learn, the more you realize those are privileges that we had that other people do mm-hmm. not. And yeah. it's frustrating because you want to help. And there's some things, there's some things we can do, like donating to the pencil box. And there's some things we can't do. Right. We can't we can't fix right now, we can't fix everyone's like home situation. Especially no. now, because we're trying to not be around people because of the <laughs> pandemic. So how do we break this cycle? How do we break the cycle of poverty? We do that by filling the gaps and and providing the resources that our students need. We all benefit when we have a well-educated workforce, where we have an economy that is secure because people have have received a quality education. Absolutely. And since Jesse brought it up, how can people help out the pencil box if people want to support your organization? Our two primary uh, needs are obviously school supplies and people enjoy that tactile experience. Also financial support. Our buying power is such that for every one box of crayons you can buy, we can buy four. So it, it really, we're very fortunate because of relationships we've been able to develop with national manufacturers and retailers. So it sounds like that if, if people want to donate supplies, like you said, because they feel better about donating something tangible, you'll happily accept it. But money is always better because you can stretch it further than right. a regular retail customer might. Right. We can maximize those dollars. Do you, do you have... Um, connections with um you know like local retail like a that donate supplies as well we do amazon is a new partner of ours 
Office Depot is also a partner with us. And in particular, the Office Depot at 15th and Lewis is very supportive of our program. So I I put a plug in for Steve Anderson and his team there at at the Office Depot on 15th and Lewis. Um, That's always where I go to spend way too much money on printer ink. So I'm glad glad at least it's going to someone that helps. Yeah. What has anything changed as far as what students and schools need during this now that you've had, you know, more than one full year school year of the pandemic, or is it still the same things? It's still the same things. Although we've given away, I think it's about $2.4 million worth of face masks. Oh yeah. We've given away almost $200,000 worth of disinfectant wipes. Those are supplies that are typically not in a back-to-school supply list. Yeah, yeah. But keeping our students and our faculty healthy during this time is primary. But we still need all the, the basic, typical supplies. And even when you think about, you know, flip charts for teachers, I mean, when they're doing a remote learning experience, to be able to hold up that flip chart and work with the students. Studies have been done that revealed that if you want to learn something just kind of on the surface, read it digitally. But if you want to really read for content, you have to read the paper. Our brains are still programmed for that tactile learning experience, that eye hand. You have to write to really imprint. And I can imagine for teachers, especially since students are having to kind of flip back and forth between yeah. in-person and remote, wanting to give them an experience that's as close to what they would get in a classroom when they are remote. So having them use the same supplies, their pencils, markers, whatever, to work on projects would be a key piece of that to make them continue to feel comfortable and the learning to still feel as familiar as possible. Chris, you're absolutely right. School supplies are an important part of creating as much normalcy during this totally abnormal time in our lives. Uh, so it, it really is critically important. Well, I was just going to, you mentioned that people can donate. I just wanted to, I realized that um, we didn't give specifics and we always like to give our guests specifics for those that do want to help out. So if people do want to connect, with the pencil box and want to donate, whether it's money or supplies, how can they do that? We depend solely on the generosity of individuals, businesses, organizations, and foundations for monetary and school supply donations. Your listeners can go to our website, www.thepencilbox.org to donate money or purchase uh, to purchase supplies. Our buying power is three to one for every one box of crayons you can buy. You can also call us at 918-442-2222 or email us at info at thepencilbox.org. Easy to remember. Yeah. We tried to well, make it. I feel like there are moments when Chris and I wanted to some th- throw some sort of levity into this conversation and we just couldn't because it's so <laughs> frustrating that yes. this is this is a problem that 
people need to donate money to to fix, right? It's just one of those things where, right. like, can't we just give, like, why can't right. everyone have pencils? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate that we're at this place in time, but we are. And again, the only way to break the cycle is by supplementing and in empowering the students, giving them positive learning experiences that will provide them the resources that they've had successes today that will translate into successes tomorrow. Steve Jobs once said, and I love this quote, he said, you can't connect the dots going forward. You can only connect them going backwards. So going forwards, you have to trust that the dots will connect. And, you know, for so many of the students that we're serving, they haven't, they don't know about dots. We want to to provide the support and the resources so that students can dream dreams and can believe that anything is possible. I mean, that, yeah, I mean that's really the best way to end this, this conversation, <laughs> um, helping students achieve their dreams and do their math problems correctly. Like that's really all we can ask society. <laughs> Even if they don't do the math problem right, at least they've done the math problem and they'll yeah, learn. Yeah, listen, several <laughs> conversation about having to show your work and whether, you know, you can just get the right answer. We don't need to talk about that. I'm still angry about it. My mind works differently than other people's. I don't have time <laughs> right. to work it out. That's right. Anyway, Nancy, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. And hopefully there's a flood of donations to the pencil box yes. and a secret donation that can only go towards mechanical pencils. So, <laughs> <laughs> one specific type of mechanical yes, pencils, yeah, just for the the one group of kids who just can't find the right pencil. The um, point five point. The boy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, so, th- and, and another anonymous donation that's just going to go to sponsoring Alf Trapper Keepers. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was going to talk about <laughs> uh, Chris in our conversation about like not being rich, but also not being poor. Like I remember never getting the high end trapper keeper. It was always like the generic, uh, <laughs> the generic brand trapper keeper, the, uh, the Walmart brand yeah, trapper yeah. keeper, the, 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 the trooper <laughs> Cooper, uh, whatever they called it. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. Never got the fancy one that would, it would always last six months. Well, we uh, want tangent. every student to have their, what is a trooper? Uh, trooper the, the, the trapper, trapper keeper? keeper was the original. Yeah. I don't remember what the generic one was, but, um, yeah. It's basically just a fancy binder. It was, it was just it was. a fancy binder, but they made it us want it. was a binder it so bad that had Velcro that yeah. would keep it closed. That was basically yes. what it was. Oh, I remember those. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, those. Yeah. Was that was that late elementary school when those got big, yeah. Jesse? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that would have been somewhere in like the mid '90s yeah. for us. All of a sudden, everyone needed Early a trapper 90s, keeper. I don't know. And a yeah. starter jacket. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the really big, by today's standards, ridiculously large. Overly thick starter jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yes. wow. That's, uh, listen, we saved the tangent for the very end, so we'll that's, make it easier. That's to good. We usually throw that in way earlier. Yeah, yeah. Nancy, thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you again. Jesse, Chris, thank you so much. We appreciate this. Thank you all for listening to our episode with Nancy. If you want to support them, please go to their website. She listed it. It's in our show notes. Uh, support them. It's very important. People need stuff to write with. This is something we can do. 
Um, of course, make sure to follow Pod for Good anywhere you get your podcast. And please, actually, I haven't mentioned this in a while, but we have a Patreon page. So if you like what Chris and I do, our little uh, class clown act for good, unlike, say, um, class clowns who get hundreds of millions of dollars to lie about COVID, uh, send us five bucks. Anyway, please do what you can do to end this pandemic. So as always, Tulsa, get it done. Wear a mask if you need to. Be good to each other. We'll